0: We'll be in Proverbs chapter 4 in just a moment. I wanted to thank uh, each one as you're turning there for your prayers for Caleb most recently uh, with breaking his wrist while he was home on spring break playing basketball and got him back to school on Thursday night. It's sore, but he's, uh, he's all caught up with his schoolwork and, and doing well, so it's going to get better from here on out. He'll be back, you'll probably see him next weekend as he get, comes home to get his stitches out. Uh, as well as for Chris, who uh, is going through uh, some procedures and things to, to get better as well. We just uh, appreciate your love and care for our family. In Proverbs chapter 4, we'll be looking at some fatherly advice that Solomon gives to his children. But before we get there, it's, uh, it's still up for debate, but if you search online, you'll see some people say we, that each person has as many as 70,000 thoughts. Every single day. Even as I'm uh, speaking up here, I'm thinking about what I'm saying, what I'm going to say next, how I'm saying it, and what your face says about what you're thinking about what I'm saying. And so I can understand where 70,000 might be reasonable, depending on how you define a thought. It's been said that your, your mind is the most powerful tool you have for the creation of good in your life, But if not used correctly, it can also be the most destructive force in your life. Your mind, specifically your thoughts, affect your perception and therefore your interpretation of reality. Because your thoughts affect everything we do, our lives are pretty much the sum of our think, our thoughts. The sum total of what comes into our minds and comes out of us safe to say our thought life controls just about everything we, we say and do. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of, the, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In the Old Testament, the word heart is used more than 800 times. But more than 200 times, it deals with the thought life, the emotions, the wellsprings, and those things that motivate us and mold us. The Bible calls that our, our heart, not the physical organ beating within our chest, but the center of our, our thoughts and emotions. Oh, it's been said here many times, our, our thoughts move our hearts, which move our, which move our heart, move our feet. Our thoughts lead to emotions, emotions lead to actions, but it all begins with our thought life. And our, our actions in life, great, great achievements and, and terrible, hurtful things, all come and begin with our heart. So tonight we're looking at one of the great passages that deal with the heart in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. And here in chapter 4, you'll, be, you'll notice that in the first four verses, that Solomon is uh, having a father-son talk with his children. He says, beginning in verse 1, Hear, O sons, a father's instructions, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. He's saying these are important commandments, critical words, he says. He says to keep these, follow these, do these, and live. And so he begins similarly in verses 20 through 21. We're going to focus in on 20 to 27 tonight. And he begins in verse 20, he says, My son, be attentive to my words. I can imagine his son saying, Okay, Dad, be attentive. He says, incline your ear to my sayings. Okay, Dad. I get it. Let, let not them escape from your sight. Okay, Dad. Let, keep them within your heart. By then, the son is probably saying, I, I got it, Dad. I got it, right? You'll see he says similar things four times, four different ways to make sure that he gets through how critical he wants his son to listen to these things. So he says first in verse 20, he says, be attentive to my words. He's saying, listen up. Get a hold of what I'm saying. This is important. It's more than just hearing. There's a, I want a response to what I'm saying to you. I don't know how many parents here have gone through the process of teaching one of your children to drive. Do you remember the day that, the first day where you sat in the passenger seat and they sat behind the driver's wheel for the first time? And the talk that you probably had at that time you weren't going to let them think about other things. If they were on their phone, what you would have said, don't put down the phone, listen up. You would have said, never, number one, never be on your phone. Number two, don't look at your phone. Number three, if it rings, don't even think about looking at it. And don't even try and text. And by then, I'm sure your, your son or daughter were like, hey, dad, "I paid dad, I get it, I get it. But those are critical times when you say you're going to make sure that they heard you and that they're going to do what you said. So not, not only did Solomon say, yeah, give attention, listen up here, he also said in verse 20, incline your ear to my sayings. When you want to be sure that you hear something, I don't know if you have a dog and, and you might think that they're asleep and you walk in the room and all of a sudden their eyes are closed, they're not moving but their ears are, are, are doing this. They incline their, their, their ears rotate, they're, they incline their ears. I remember as a, a new parent looking down at Caleb in the crib when he was much, much smaller. <laughs> and you know, and the child is sitting there in a crib, and you can't even tell if they're alive, right they're just like. Are they, you, know, you can't see their chest move. You might put your hand over their mouth to see if they can feel a breath. You might put your ear down all the way to their mouth to just even feel if you can hear breath, right? You're inclined, you incline your ear because you want to be sure and, and see if you can hear that. And this is what it, might, what it means to incline your ears. So he says, not only does it say give attention, listen up here, he says, incline your ears, and then he writes in verse 21, let them not escape from your sight. Today we hear out of sight, out of mind. And that's the opposite of, of what Psalm is, is saying here, saying, get, get this on your mind by keeping it in your sight. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9 says it this way and, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall be as they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I've seen people who put note cards on, on the mirror in their bathroom of, of verses that they want to remember. They might put on their First Samuel six sixteen seven. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart to remind you as you're getting ready in the morning to not be too vain about our appearance, because God looks at our heart. You might put the Bible as a, a Bible verse as a screensaver on your, your phone. I've seen people post it on their social media as a reminder of a verse that was important to them that day. Why is that? To try to keep reminding ourselves of God's truth, to keep it, on, to keep it in front of our eyes, to keep it in our mind, to, to try to get it to stick in our heart. But fourthly, Solomon writes, he says, keep them within your heart. He says that at the core of your being, keep this always on your mind. Never forget this teaching because you know that what occupies you occupies your mind. For some people, it might be a sick family member. For others, it might be their finances, those bills, that loan that you shouldn't have taken out. For others, it might be the game that's going on right now as we speak that you're thinking, and wonder how they're doing. Solomon says that my words, this godly wisdom that I'm imparting should be on your mind. In fact, what is the opposite of being on your mind? It's, It's either out of your mind or in the back of your mind. You know, the kind of fact that's on the history exam that you can't remember, you get to that one question on the test and you can't recall what it was and you're sitting there and you're thinking and thinking and thinking and that just does not come to you. That's not the way that it should be with Bible truths. In fact, you know, most guys are pretty bad with, in their relational details. I don't know if your wife has ever said to you, do you remember the first date as we sat across from each other at McDonald's and you ate a Big Mac with a chocolate shake and French fries and I had a Diet Coke and a cheeseburger And you had on a blue shirt and jeans and your Nike sneakers and I had on a red shirt and and jeans and my my Adidas. And you remember what we talked about, how we talked about what you wanted to do with the rest of your life. And you say, we went to McDonald's. (laughs) We clearly can make communicate that although it occupies her mind, it surely doesn't occupy our mind. Psalm is saying, listen up to godly wisdom. Incline your ear. Don't let it depart from your sight. Keep it in your heart. But how do we do that today? Well, we do that by what we did today. We came to Sunday school, to Sunday morning, Sunday evening. We go to Wednesday night Bible study youth group. We listen to Bible podcasts. Perhaps you use an app to help you learn and memorize verses. You have your own personal Bible study. Perhaps you send your children to a to vacation Bible school. You have family Bible reading and discussion. And on and on and we, could, we could go with different ways, different methods that we use to get God's Word into our heart because what controls our heart is going to control everything in our life. But he doesn't stop, he doesn't stop there. He, does, he doesn't just tell us what we need to do. He also tells us why this is so important for us to do this. In verse 22, he says, Why is it so important to be saturated with God's word? The reason is cued off by the word for. Why is it so important? He gives us two reasons. Verse 22 says, For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. He says that keeping godly wisdom in your heart will give you quality and quantity of life. He says they are life. Jesus said it this way in John ten ten. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, while Jesus came to give us life, Satan does his very best. His plan is the opposite. Satan came to give pain and death to marriages, to families, to our finances, to our relationships, to our children, to our jobs. But Solomon says that God's word is their their life and their health. Everyone gets sick. But not having godly wisdom in your heart affects you mentally. It can affect you physically, psychologically, internally. How many of us have let worry over some, something that's happening in our life get us to the point where we got a headache or a stomach ache or made us physically ill? Sin can take away the quantity and the quality of our life affects how we see the world, how we handle difficulties and pains in life, how we deal with the stress, and how we deal with people. But Solomon says that's not enough, though. He says, pay attention, incline your ear, keep this in front of your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. He told us why. Because it will give us life and health, but he said there's still a problem. You, you've got to get the wisdom in, but it won't stay in there by itself. Because we live in a world where Satan is strong. And he utilizes every means he can to twist and to dilute the truth. Confuse and mis- mislead people today. Social media shouts to our people, especially our young people, Satan's lies about how we should look, how we should dress, how we should talk, how we should think. Some teachers and textbooks today want to confuse us on everything from history and science to human sexuality. And so Solomon addresses this problem in verses 23 to 27, and he he tells us what to do in verse 23, why we need to do it, and lastly, how, how to do it in verses 24 to 27. In 23 to 27, he addresses the danger. He says in verse 23, Keep your heart with all vigilance. The word keep could better be, or also be translated guard. Watch over. Keep a close eye on. I don't know how many of you have security systems in your homes. I know we have a security system here in the church. We have one at Mosaic. Why do people have security systems in their homes? Because it's such a big business today because people want to keep their, their home safe. They want to keep their valuables secure. People will go to great length to make sure that their home is secure. And it comes with sensors of all kinds. They have door sensors and window sensors and glass break sensors and temperature sensors and motion sensors and water sensors and the list goes on and on. Why is this such a booming business today? Because people are, are afraid for their security and they'll do anything they can to make sure that their home and family and their possessions are secure. But even more, more, even more important than guarding your health, Solomon says, is to guard your heart. And how he says? He says to do it with all vigilance. In other words, we need to guard our heart diligently with a plan, methodically, not haphazard or casually. Imagine that you and your family are going away on a vacation and you're going to drive to Florida this, week, this summer for a few weeks. Your wife might ask you, well, is, is the car ready to go on vacation? If you said, sure, it worked when I drove it last week, Would that be a sufficient answer? No, it it shouldn't be. You say, oh, that's not good enough. You wouldn't just see if it started. If you were diligent, you would check the oil. You would check the transmission. You'd check the the wipers. You'd check um, the wiper fluid. You might even take it to a mechanic to have him check the tires and check the alignment and give it a good once-over, give it a good inspection. If you're going to drive it for hundreds of miles... Why? Because if your car breaks down, it's going to affect your family's vacation. It could even affect your family's security. What's similar with your heart. You might ask Solomon, why is it so important to be diligent in guarding our heart? Well, he answers that in the second part of verse 23. He says, for from it flow the springs of life. The springs of life. You can picture our, our, our heart as a spring, a wellspring of water. He says the springs of life, all of our moral actions, our attitudes of life, everything that we are and do comes out of our life, our principles of living, and starts in our heart. Christ said it this way in Luke 6, verses 43 to 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of, a, out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks what is in our hearts will control how we live, what we say, and what we do. This is our, our mission control this is a, our, our flag this if we, get, if we let this get captured, it's over. Each year in the U.S., about 735,000 people have a heart attack. I know people in our, in our church here have had heart attacks. For 525,000 people, it's their first. For 210,000, it's not their first. They've had, they've had one before. Now, I've seen people who have had a heart attack make great changes in their life. I don't know if you have. I've seen people radically change their diet, their lifestyle, they start exercising. Why do they make such radical changes? Because they fear having another heart attack. They know how critical the health of their heart is to their their body, to their life. If their heart's not in good shape, they won't be able to work, they won't be able to live. It might hamper everything that they do. Spiritual heart attacks are no less dangerous. Although the symptoms may not be as obvious right away, the results can be just as devastating. But Solomon doesn't just command us to guard our heart. He tells us why. Because out of it spring the issues of our life. And then he tells us how to do that in verses 24 through 27. Verse 24 says... He tells us how you guard your heart, and this is what guarding your heart looks like. And he gives us the details of how that looks like. It says in verse 24, he says, what you say, in verse 25, what you look at, and verses 26 and 27, where you go. Solomon has told us to fill our hearts, keep this wisdom in our hearts, and to now guard our hearts. And he gives us three, these three walls of which, if we tear them down, will leave our heart open to attack and damage. So he says, verse 24, what you say. Verse 24 says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. What we say affects our heart. Using obscenity, crude language, wears down the walls of protection. It'll affect the way that we think about people, the way we treat them, and gradually erase the godly wisdom that, concerning our speech that we've put in it. Solomon also says, what you look at. Verse 25, let your, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. This is no surprise, but what, what we see affects our heart. Parents, we make a grave mistake giving our, our children unfiltered access to the internet. And I'm, believe me, I'm familiar with the, the pressures. I remember when Caleb was in middle school and then high school saying that everyone in his middle school class had a smartphone but him. So We gave him a, a dumb phone when he was in high school because he was going to high school miles away and we needed him to be able to call us after practice was done. And he would get teased by the kids because he had a dumb phone and all the other kids had a smartphone. It wasn't until his senior year when he was driving to school on his own that we gave him a smartphone. And even then, it was restricted uh, as far as the internet goes. We were very careful about what video games he was allowed to play, how much time he could play them, and what kind of TV and movies he could watch. And believe me, we've had our faults. We're far from perfect parents. But I'm familiar with the battle to guard my son's heart. And even then, at a Christian high school, I was disappointed by the stories he would tell me about what his friends and other people at his school would show him. What we look at will stick with us. Just Google the connection between... uh, Just Google connection between violent video games and violent crime. Or Google connection between pornography and violent sex crimes. Or the connection between pornography and, and marital problems. It does not take a rocket science to realize that what we put in our heart and our mind, what we look at, is going to come out in our lives. And it's amazing that some of the, the awful images that you saw when you were 13 years old will come back to you and will stick in your mind like superglue, and yet the history facts that you needed to pass that test are, will, will fall out like anything. But it's not just what you say and what you look at. But he says in verses 26 and 7, where you go. He says, ponder the path of your feet, and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn away your foot from evil. Solomon says, where we go will affect our heart. Having the right friends will affect our heart. You can tell, in fact, you can tell a great deal about a person by where they walk and with whom they walk. If you would like to avoid some of the heartaches that we see in the lives of those around us, guard your heart. You need to watch what you say, what you see, where you go. If you say, oh, it doesn't matter, I, I, I can handle that. You're allowing yourself to, t- you're taking down the defense walls of your heart for people to come in, for those images to come in, to come in and steal God's word out of your heart. In fact, you don't have to look very far in the Bible to see examples of men and women who didn't guard their heart. They didn't guard what they looked at and it caused their downfall. Think of Eve, if she would would have looked straight ahead and not looked at the fruit. How about Lot's wife, if she wouldn't have turned back to look back at Sodom? Or King David, a man after God's own heart, if he hadn't turned and looked at Bathsheba, how that would have radically changed his life. Fortunately I can think of people that I grew up with, people that I went to Bible college with, that I went to seminary with, who grew up in a Christian home, went to church, they went to Sunday school, they went to wand, they went to camp, they went to youth group, Christian college, and today, they wouldn't even call themselves a Christian. You might say, what, what happened? How can a person go through all that in their life and yet end up far away from God. Any number of things could have happened, but one thing that I've seen happen is that they didn't guard their heart from the enemy, which wanted to steal God's word out of their heart. Our heart can be the greatest source for good in our lives or the worst source for a lot of pain and suffering. I know I've talked and addressed parents a lot, But as adults, it's no different for us. We need to guard our heart. We need to work as hard as we can to get God's Word into our heart and into our mind. That our lives, our minds, and all that we do might be controlled by what He's told us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture which provides us such a a good reminder of our responsibility to to not only know your word, to get it in our hearts, but to protect it in our, in our hearts. And we know, we, we're all very familiar with the world that we live in. All the allurements and all the distractions and all the ways that Satan uses to distract us and to pull us away. To put evil thoughts and evil images into our mind. And so we all know that struggle and are very familiar with it. And so we ask for your help tonight, Lord. Help us as parents that we might guard our own hearts that as we interact with people and our children and and our neighbors and our co-workers that everything that we say and do might be controlled by your word and your desire for us. And that you might protect our children and, and their hearts as they grow up in a world which more and more wants to twist and take away the truth of your word, and tell them that you don't exist, that what you say is not important, and to produce doubts and cause to question the truth that they hear at home. Lord, strengthen our families and help us that we might be families that, because we put your word in our hearts, our families that are able to stay strong and live lives for you that you can use. For your honor and glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.